and welcome back to Educators Let's Get Real. I'm Jen. I'm Danielle. And today we are going to be talking about principle number six, Yay! habits. The 22nd second rule. rule. Yes. Uh, which is all about habits. How to turn bad habits into good ones by minimizing barriers to change. Um, I got a little giddy when I realized what this chapter was because this is so much. There's so much power here. Um and I love this section in this chapter for so many reasons. Um, he says in here, common sense is not common action. And we all know the right thing to do. Um, we all know spending too much time on social media will like kill your brain. We all know that spending too much time, you know, binge watching the latest Netflix series is not good for you. We all know all the things. We all know that eating too many cookies and too much fast food and too much soda is a surefire way to get yourself real unhealthy. But, but we yet, don't. <laughs> but yet, it is the habit that most of us fall into. Um, and think about that in the classroom and think about that in your personal life. And, and I'm not just talking about health here, although there are so many implications in this section for your physical and mental health. Um, and and how, does, how do habits fill in that, that boundary? Here's what I love. Um, Having common knowledge, knowing those things does not make doing them any easier. I talk mm-hmm. to people all the time in my health coaching business that says, listen, I know what to do. I'm just going to do it. But what happens is we all know what to do. We all know we should probably move our bodies more. We should probably drink less soda and drink more water. We should probably eat more vegetables. The key to good health is not rocket science. No. It is not rocket science. What happens is having the knowledge to do it and actually doing the thing are two very different things. And it comes down to a few things and habits is one of them. And I love talking about habits because I think habits are the things that you can change. He talks in here about, you know, is this idea that you can't teach an old dog new tricks true? And that's totally not true. Your brain is very pliable. We've talked about this in previous episodes, no matter how old you are. Now, when you're younger... Your brain is more pliable, um, which is why, like, if you wanted to learn a second language, doing it as a child is a much better time than trying to do it as an adult because trying to reconnect those neural pathways is really hard. But still doable. But doable, right? So your brain is pliable and it can change and it can adjust. Um, (laughs) I love this. He says, positive habits are hard to keep no matter how commonsensical they might be. So we all know what to do. But they're really hard. Those good habits are really hard. And the bad habits are really easy. Absolutely. And and I think that's where we get caught into doing the same thing over and over. You're really good at something. I talk to people all the time like, I do great on Monday and Tuesday. And by Wednesday, I'm like, I can't do that anymore. And it's because of our habits. It's because of these ingrained patterns of thinking and we do it often without thinking. Um, he talks in here about um, like- he wanted to go ahead learn the. Uh, what are you talking about the guitar? No, oh, actually, okay. I'm a little further back, but because this one really resonated with me when he talks about habits. Like, if you constantly had to think about everything you did all day, yeah. you'd be overwhelmed by breakfast. And what he talks about, like, if you woke up and you went into the bathroom and you looked at yourself and said, "Should I get dressed today?" Like you. You don't do that. You know that you're going to get up and you're yeah. going to get dressed. You don't sit there and debate 
well, if I didn't get dressed, this, this, and this would happen. But if I did, then this, this. You might debate what to wear. Right. But you don't debate every single thing. because. Or should I brush my teeth, teeth. today? Or this week. I like, mean, like, no, there are so many things that we do automatically that we don't even think about. And those are habits. So I think sometimes we think so much, like, you have to have this grand, big habit. And I yeah. think that's kind of like when we talked about the circle of control too last week, where people want to make that habit. I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. Oh, for someone who has, <laughs> you know, sleeps till nine. I'm going to wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and I'm going to do this. And that's, we try to change the habit so quickly and make it so grand and so big that we can't keep up with it. Yeah. And, and it's so... Um, it's so interesting. Habits, uh, are such a powerful thing. And, and I think we, number one, most of the time we don't even realize we have the habits we have. Uh, we talked on the last episode about mindless shopping, right? How many people mindlessly shop, bored shop, emotional eating, bored eating, um, emotional shop. I like to shop. Scrolling through social Netflix, media. scrolling through social media, right? We we come home. He talks in here about coming home. He wanted to play the guitar, but you know the TV remote was right there, so he just ha- out of habit turned it on. Think of all the things you do throughout the day that you don't even think about. Mm-hmm. Because if you had to think about all the little things you had to do all day, you could never do anything. No one's like, "Hey, did you did you remember to take a breath?" breathe in breathe out breathe in breathe out right no one is walking around having to tell themselves those things so we have to get into this idea of we have to build better habits and a lot of us think we're going to go from zero to 60 to build these better habits please don't do that we'll talk about this in the next episode is like how do you actually build those better habits some of a lot of which we've already talked about um but but more refinement more refinement um but yeah, his, his guitar one, which I think goes right into what you were talking about, he wants to play the guitar. It's, it's a great, side, like, relaxing thing, but he does. He sees the remote, his natural thing to go home to do, and how many of you guys do it? Go turn on the news or go turn on the TV, and then you might cook, but you might sit down, you might do whatever, and it's yeah. really hard once you're, that TV's on or that phone's in your hand and you're sitting down to get motivated to do anything else. Yeah, he talks about uh, activation energy later in this chapter, which I love this idea. Um, and and I think the misconception when it comes to habits is I have to deny all the things. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to people about health coaching, you know, nutrition, they're like, I'm never eating a cookie again. And I'm like, well, that's a real surefire way to me that you're going to deprive yourself for probably the course of five days, maybe up to a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden you're going to binge eat all the things because your willpower is a fuel tank. Mm -hmm. And you only have so much willpower that you can use. And if you're using all of your willpower to resist doing something, I think like never using social media again. I'm never, think about those absolute statements. Mm-hmm. I'm never doing that. I'm only going to do this. I'm only going to eat salads for lunch. I'm never going to eat out again, right? Those are absolute statements. He says in here that 80% or something of, of people who make New Year's resolutions fail on their New Year's resolutions. Usually most of them before the month of January has even 
come and gone. Um, when we deny ourselves for so long, we can only take it so far. And then the floodgates open and you're like, well, I had one cookie. I might as well eat pizza for dinner tonight and have a soda and drink a beer and, and eat some popcorn and then have a bag of chips. And Sorry what, with that. That's Friday night. I'm what the heck? I might as well just keep going, right? Um, I also think about this in terms of, you know, mm, you can think about it in terms of school, right? I am going to work 100% during my planning time. And that's all great. Please encourage yourself to do that. But then what happens? You've missed contact with your team. You've missed, you know, a personal connection. With a kid. With a kid. You've missed a personal connection with your team. And, and then all of a sudden, the floodgates open and you've spent the next seven planning periods not doing anything. And then you're mad at yourself. And then it's this vicious cycle of over and over, over. and over and over and over again. Um, we cannot, when we talk about habits, we cannot solely rely on willpower to get us to where we want to be. And when I learned that willpower was a tank and not a muscle, I thought, oh crap. <laughs> right? Because it's really it. great with it when it's a muscle because I can build it. But when it's, a, when it's a, a tank and think about the gas tank in your car and you're thinking about willpower and I'm extending willpower to stay off social media and I'm extending willpower to, you know, um, not eat all the cookies and I'm extending willpower to spend quality time with my kids instead of being distracted by other things. Every single time you take from that reserve of willpower, you have less and less. You have and less. less and less and less. Eventually, you run out of willpower. And then what happens? You're on your phone. You're really grumpy because you're mad at yourself because you screwed up on your diet. You screwed up on your exercise program. All the things, right? So, willpower is such a profound thing. He does this, he talks about this study of, of three groups of people. And I think this hit it home for me when I think about when I think about this thought of willpower. There were three groups of, of people. Each group had a plate of cookies and a plate of radishes. And group one was told they could eat as many radishes as they want, but they could not eat a single cookie. Group two was given the same plates and they were told they could eat whatever they wanted. Group three had no food at all. They got zero plates. And they had to sit there for some duration of time. And then they were asked to solve um, a set of simple geometric puzzles. And simple being the key word here, they were so easy. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Nope, just kidding. They were unsolvable. Huh. Gosh, listen, if you ever got a chance to sit through a psychology test <laughs> when you were in college, like, uh, so frustrating, right? Um, here's what happens. Group two and three on those unsolvable puzzles that they were told were simple persevered longer than the ones, than group one, who was told they could not eat any cookies. And it is because their willpower to avoid eating the cookies was so great that when it came to persevering on another task completely unrelated, they didn't because their reserve was gone. And I think how fascinating that is, right? Even having no food, group three had no food and they were able to persevere longer because they didn't have to use that tank of, of willpower. And, and I think the disservice we do to ourselves often and frequently is that we think willpower is never ending. I'm just going to will my way through this. I'm just going to 
I can do it. I'm going to grit my teeth and I'm just going to do the dang thing. And that's great. Once in a while. Sometimes. On some things. But as a way of building habits or building positive life things that you want, it's a really bad strategy. <laughs> well, it's almost like because you're you're beating yourself down, you're denying, and I think in your head you feel like you're denying yourself something. And so then you just, why bother? Yeah. Because if you're constantly being held down by yourself and told that you can't do something or you won't do something, you do almost belittle yourself. You berate yourself. And so you get into an unhealthy, like, cycle. Yeah. Um, I think he, we, you had talked about this earlier, this idea of activation energy. Um, you know, I don't know if any of you also do this, but sometimes I'll say to my husband, like, on Monday, hey, this weekend, we should... X, Y, and Z, all the things out of the house. Go take the kids to do this. Go hiking. Do this. Do this. Do this. Saturday comes and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> because I am so tapped out of emotional whatever that inactivity is simply the best option. It is simply the easiest option. I won't say best option. It is simply the easiest, easiest. option. Um, and that I, you pointed this out earlier that most Americans actually find free time more difficult to enjoy than Yeah, work. the passive uh, leisure, he calls it. Unfortunately, through these types of passive leisure, like watching TV and trolling around on Facebook might be easier and more convenient than biking or looking at art or playing soccer. They don't offer the same reward. Yeah. And because... Uh, I love it. He says, there's no leisure boss. There's no one who's right. like over your shoulder on Sunday morning telling us we better be at the art museum by nine. We often find it difficult to muster enough energy to do the things that actually cause us leisure. I love to hike and I love to hike with my kids and I love to do those things. But sometimes the activation energy to get those things started, no matter how much I love them, is really difficult. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so... Uh, we more often succumb to this path of doing nothing on the couch, scrolling social media, watching Netflix, than Absolutely. doing that the actual things that would bring us true joy and leisure. And and I think that's such a frustrating thing um, because I am one of those people who's like, I have all these grand plans on Monday and maybe even Tuesday and maybe even Wednesday but by by time Saturday morning comes, you're like, you know, I actually, I just want to sit down. I don't want to do anything, and there's a plus and a minus to that too, right? Where and sometimes it's okay when you just need yeah. to sit down. But what we're getting at is not for like all day, eight hours constantly. And I have to tell you, like right before I went in to have surgery on my foot, I thought, oh my gosh, it's going to be so nice just to sit down <laughs> and to binge on Netflix and to have a reason, yeah. like. My foot has to be up. I literally cannot work out. I cannot yeah. do these things. That you know, I don't look forward to the surgery. And I didn't look forward to the pain of it, but I kind of looked forward to just being able to sit. Yeah. Okay. After about a day or two of that, I was like, Amazon shopping. I, <laughs> I was done. I was ready to activate. And it's funny because when you can't activate, I think you want it more. And yeah. when you can't, it's like, yeah. No, I just want to sit down. And but he I was talks done. about this difference um, between passive leisure, like watching TV or trolling around on Facebook, 
Um, it might be easier and more convenient than biking or looking at art or playing a game of soccer, but they don't have the same rewards. Um, whereas active leisure, hobbies, games, sports, they enhance our concentration, our engagement, our motivation, and our sense of enjoyment in life. Um, I love this because I, I think we have such a uh, such a thing happening with our with our teenagers right now. Talks about um, that. And he talks about uh, American teenagers are two and a half times more likely to experience as elevated levels of enjoyment when they're engaged in a hobby than when they're just watching TV. And three times more engagement um, or enjoyment if they're participating in a sport. But um, yet these same teenagers are four times uh, spend four times as many hours watching TV as they do engaging in those activities. So it, it's interesting because you think about it, and even as educators, how often do we say, well, these kids just go home and watch TV. There's yeah. nothing else they're doing. They're not activating. But then when we go home, what do we do? Yeah. We sit down and do that. And, and it, there's several studies out there, and it's not in this book, but it's everywhere. The rate of depression and anxiety yeah. has gone skyrocketed with how much there's like a help me out here Danielle I'm not even fully thinking yet but like it it goes in connection with how much time you spend on social media oh yeah and like the more time you spend on social media the higher the rate of depression and anxiety yeah. I are. don't know the exact statistics and um but when you're constantly scrolling and in looking at people's what seems to be their perfect life or this fun thing yeah. they're doing or mm-hmm. you're on Pinterest and you're like, oh, that's a Pinterest classroom or that's a Pinterest home. <laughs> and I wish I could have like that home or that that classroom or that car or that fashion or I could be that thin or I could yeah. work out like that and look what they're doing and you slowly start chipping away, but all you're doing is you're sitting there scrolling or yeah. watching TV, and it's definitely bringing us down. And and here's what he talks about. Here's how this happens, right, is he talks about active leisure is more enjoyable, but it almost always requires more initial effort. He calls this, he names some psychologist, scientist, and I'm not even going to attempt to read this guy's name, um, he calls this activation energy. Mm-hmm. It is the energy required to spark a catalyst to change. And he says, human nature takes us down the path of least resistant time and time again. And social media is the path of least, least resistant. Amazon Prime is the path of least resistant. Oh, but it's so fun. Uh, all of those <laughs> things, right? So defaulting. Now, listen, he talks about default settings. And, and think about this in the terms of the world. It is so easy to everything is defaulted everything is defaulted and that is the path of least resistance but that is not often the path you want to go down the path to the things you actually want have so require so much energy to get started and i think that is the part where you're like i wrote in the margin here ugh because i just think yeah the life i want isn't on the easy path it's on the path that requires me to put on my big girl panties and do the dang thing I don't want that I know will bring me actually more joy in the long term. And it's hard, but think about it. Like how much easier is it to sit down, order pizza and watch a family movie, which isn't bad guys. I love doing that. Then to sit down and say, okay, everyone, we're going to play a game. Yeah. 
And sometimes it ends up in fights. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, the family. And sometimes it, but it requires you to talk. And a lot of this, when we sit down all the time, I'm not saying sometimes. Sometimes, guys, it's fine to sit down and just yeah. do nothing. And your body needs that. But by the same token, what he's talking about, those habits, we need to activate our energy because when we have those, when we're activating our brain in something different other than school, other than work, whatever you're working on, if you're a business person, if you're activating it into gardening or into working out or into going on a bike ride or to go hiking, um, journaling, reading, sharpening your saw somehow, and don't try to do it all at once, but you end up being a happier person yeah um and and so it really does hit home right like we have to get to this point where we work against the default options um he says in here default options are everywhere shaping our choices and our behavior in all areas of our lives at all times think about all of the things that are on autopilot that we take for granted and I like getting dressed. Yeah, I or love sharing. this. This last section that we're <laughs> going to talk about here today, just really quickly, is um, we have a path towards distraction, and we are so easily. He wrote in here um, every time we are distracted, um, our productivity goes down. He says the a- research has showed that the average employee gets interrupted from their work every eleven minutes. You guys. Every 11 minutes, there is a distraction. I think about my classroom as a revolving door, right? Someone's always in, someone's always out. There's this teacher's coming to pull this kid and this is happening. And then the PA goes off and then every 11 minutes. And it takes us, he says, and each occasion experiences a loss of concentration and flow that takes almost as many minutes to recover from. Now that's as an adult, right? So then think about our kids, right? Every distraction that they have. I also talked here about social media, right? Every ding of your phone is a distraction. Every, you know, all the things are a distraction. I think there was a math teacher that did one in high school in one class period, and there was 420 distractions of social media going off with her kids. Like, they marked it. I saw they tallied that. I saw that on social media this over spring break. And I saw that, that they, she said, turn your ringers on and we're going to tally every time someone's notification buzzes. And these are high school students, right? But think about yourself. Think about, and I have been an advocate for this from the first episode of the first podcast ever in existence is, gosh, guys, if you don't have notifications turned off on your phone, I I don't know how you're functioning as a human personally because I can't, right? So turning those things off, minimizing distractions, minimizing your ability to, you know, focus on something, right? We talk about all the time how there's just not enough time in a day. You know, we're required to work so many hours and pretty soon eight-hour workdays turn into 12 and 14-hour ones and we still at the end of the day feel behind. Mm -hmm. And... I know we talked about in season one, like, can you track your day? How many minutes do you spend doing everything? Every minute of your workday, can you track what happens? And imagine what happens when your productivity, when you're like, oh, I spent 14 minutes talking to my coworker about nothing, which sometimes is great, right? We need that that personal connection. But when that happens every day, when that happens multiple times a day with multiple people over multiple days, think about how much time is lost, on things that actually could be productive that could be used somewhere else. I think 
you know, if I take out those small bits of engagement and I put them into really focused time, right, later, because I have all the other things done, imagine how much more productive I could be. You know, five minutes checking in with my kids when I'm actually thinking about my work is less productive than me just getting my work done, staying focused on that, and then having an hour with my kids afterwards. Yep. Having, you know, a five-minute conversation in the hallway kind of haphazardly with a coworker every day is cool, but what if you harness that energy and put it into a, you know, a weekly coffee date or something, right? And how much more productive that could be for you. So I love this, you guys. I think habits, I... I, I don't know that we talked about homework before we started this, but I would encourage you to think about what is a habit you have right now that maybe you want to change? And what is something that's on autopilot, but you actually wouldn't, would really like to change it? Because the next episode, we're going to talk about how do you start to build better habits. So and I love to talk about better habits. So. so just look at your habits. Honestly, just look at your day. Look at your day and see what habits you have. See what habits you have when you're in the classroom, when you go home. Yeah, like do your personal time. I would jot them down. I would love for you to think about as soon as you walk in the door. Is there something you always do? I used to walk in the door from work and turn on the TV. It was the first thing I always did, and and not because anybody was watching it. Typically, it was out of habit that it was always on. So, what are the habits that you have built? Good or bad, right? I mean, good or bad is subjective. Um, but what are some habits that you have built? Just look at your habits and how can you um, how can you start to identify some of those things, some of the habits that you do without even thinking? And start thinking about, identify like one habit that you might want to tweak. Because or, we'll think talk of a about ha- it. or think of a habit that you would love to have. Um, in the health world, I talk to people like, I would love to be a morning exercise person and I can give you habits and I can help you build habits to become that person. Um, I've done it for years and I love it. So anyways, what habit would you like to start? So So, watch your habits that you have, that you have built for yourself and identify a habit you'd love to have. So that's a more positive way than saying one that you want to get rid of. That's but right. That's think right. of one that you want to start or that you like, and that's all you have to do. And then next week we'll talk about what you need to do to get there. Yay. We hope you have a great week. Bye. Bye.